If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas, and I'm excited that you're here. And with that, we're going to jump into this week's podcast here in just a second. We're going to hit up our sponsors that help make the show possible. There's lots of companies that I believe in that I think help veterans across the board, whether it's find a job, hire talent, become more efficient in their practice, all those things, right? So these sponsors mean a ton to me. So I know a lot of people will fast forward or skip through them. But if and when you're looking for help and some of the solutions they offer, I would highly, highly encourage you to check them out. And so with that, no further ado, jump into the ads and we'll get right into the show. So thank you for listening and uh, enjoy. I get it, Isaiah. You talk about Bitcoin all the time. Well, as I go out and about, I continually hear the demand for any more Bitcoin education, or I don't really understand. I hear you talking about it. I know you're passionate about it. I know you have a lot of conviction, but I need more info. And that's where Bitcoin for Vet Med really came from, was taking, hey, the 10,000, 100,000 hours of time that I've spent and distill it down into bite-sized courses and walking you through of getting a foundational why, a little bit of understanding the technical side of Bitcoin, and then how to grapple with the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and just the things that you hear throughout the media and giving you the ability to up your Bitcoin knowledge to go from zero to hero and feel a lot more comfortable saying, okay, this is something that matters and I want to take some of the value that I create and save into Bitcoin. So head over to bitcoinforvetmed.com or click the link in the show notes. If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. Finding a job or finding a veterinarian shouldn't be a waste of time. Enter an offer first. Paul Diaz and team have created something really special with Offer First. Some of my favorite reasons are as follows. Candidates and employers will both have values aligned on the first step, not the last. The sign-up process, quick and simple, no resume required. So if you're looking for a job, but you aren't really sure, it's as easy as scrolling on Zillow for a home. And finally, if you have a great match, it's based on your each unique requirements, not random keywords. If you want to learn more, listen to episode 179 with Paul Diaz. We cover all of that. The other exclusive great thing that you're going to get from this ad read and from Paul is I convinced him to give an exclusive discount to listeners of this podcast. So for owners, you're getting a 20% discount on both the placement of any candidate, but also access to the platform. Use VSP if you go to offer first or the easiest way is a link in the show notes. So check it out. Associates, those looking for a job, same thing. Use the link in the show notes. Use VSP if you go directly to offer first. But 
I will donate and Paul will donate to a veterinary nonprofit of your choosing. So each person that signs up gets a vote. Your votes actually count, which is incredible. And so I'll be reaching out. I will handle that. But there's going to be a donation made for any associate or any job seeker that adds on the platform. We want to make sure that not only does the platform help to make sure that you find a better fit, better culture, better role, but it's also doing good in veterinary medicine. Okay. So link in the show notes is going to take you to offer first. It's going to automatically apply that, but also use code VSP if you go to offer first directly. And offer first is changing the game of veterinary recruiting. I want each and every one of you to benefit from it. So check them out today. Find out for yourself why my friends at Shepherd Veterinary Software are the fastest growing practice management software. They're doing something right. Founded by Dr. Cindy Barnes, Shepherd is an intuitive, easy to learn, streamlines practice management. Built for vets, by vets, it works for you and your team so you have more time to spend on what's most important, your patients. Shepherd automatically updates the medical records, adds services to the invoice, generates discharge instructions, and so much more. Bring home more stories and less stress. Check them out at shepherd.vet. Again, that's shepherd.vet. All right. Today, I am joined by Sebastian Gabor. He is a serial entrepreneur, speaker, educator. In 2018, he co-founded Digital, an all-in-one practice management system born from a passion to improve vet and pet parent communication. He is an avid reader and has run some Ironmans and done it three times, which is pretty interesting. We can chat a little on that as well, perhaps. Loves hiking and debating world problems with his friends, which I actually want to get into at the beginning because I do that similarly, right? Sometimes I want to have those conversations and other people don't. But all that to be said, Sebastian, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. Yeah. So I want to actually start with the debating world problems piece because I think that's really interesting. And I feel like more people that disagree probably agree on more than what they think, but they don't actually allow themselves to have a discussion. And that would be really great if we could have more conversations where we're like, huh, you know, maybe I don't agree with you, Sebastian, but I can see where you're coming from, right? So with that, is there any topic that you've had conversations, and this could be within vet med, it can be outside of vet med, that's been one where you've had a good, solid conversation or debate recently that you feel like would be a good spot to kind of share? Interesting. That's a really, really great question. I think before before answering, I just want to mention that there's a really awesome author called Elif Shafak. And she, I can, I can write it to you afterwards, but she write, she wrote on uh, bipolar society and why is it so difficult for people to actually have a constructive conversation when they hold two opposite views on the topic. So I love it. it. Unfortunately, it's really difficult for us as human beings, but I'll leave that for another time. So when it comes to, to debates, I think one of the biggest debates right now is actually on AI and the whole idea of co-pilot and who will win in the space or who will have the most impact. And I think the debate is between, will big companies like Microsoft, OpenAI, will they have a predominant general AI that everyone will use? Or will it be a world where, the, where you will have small individual AI assistants built by different smaller companies? Do you think regulation in AI is a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's needed, but it depends for the purpose of it. I've heard a couple conversations about this where... It's if the tool, because we're not putting the genie back in the bottle, right? AI is out there. We're not going to stop it. And so for people that are maybe nervous or afraid of it, it's not going to go away. We're going to leverage it. We're going to use it. And so having it free and open so that people can actually all use it and keep the playing field level to me makes a little bit more sense versus trying to have established players that maybe have a head start, get regulation in place where it's so cumbersome for others to like use the technology 
where you can't necessarily build a business unless you do all these different things that some sort of regulatory agency dictates. So my hope, and I'm happy to have your kind of opinion on this because I think you're closer to it than I am, would be we are able to all use and leverage AI in our own way. There's going to be certain organizations and people that use it better and are going to build awesome businesses that will help the world, which is good. But as long as there's not this regulatory moat that we try to make sure that there's the have and have nots, where it accrues all to a certain subset of people. I think that's the thing that I worry about the most. I heard you say that putting the genie back in the bottle, that's true, it won't go back. However, what I would I normally say is that AI won't replace jobs or people, but people with AI will replace people that are not using it. We're seeing that just in an increase of productivity that goes from 30% plus for everyone that's using it, even these versions that we have today in their day-to-day. But going back to the relation questions, I think, Yes, the problem is that you now have companies that started accumulating a lot of power and you do need a bit of regulation to level the playing field. However, what happens in most industries is that the players that are ahead, they start implementing the regulations and helping the governments create the regulations in order to actually defend their position. And you have this challenge of regulatory purposes, well, regulation as a tool to maintain monopolies rather than prevent monopolies. But that's, again, another topic. And one more interesting part is that, and this goes back to one story about the Yellow River, you know, you, you had villages across the Yellow River, and I think this is in, I, I forgot the name of the book, but anyway, um, Homo sapiens. When he described that there, you had a lot of rivers along the Yellow River, and if, let's say, the, the river came out of the... Yeah, it goes out of the banks of the river. Exactly, and then it floods the village. The only way you can fix that is if all villages start regulating the river. And you can't just do it one village regulating because it affects the other one. And this is an exact really good example where we need to all as a society work together on this and not something that where only some companies do everything. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It's a good analogy. Let me ask this question. So technology continues to advance. It makes us more efficient. On aggregate, though, it seems like costs and everything continue to go up. And those things seem to be opposite sides of the spectrum and they don't seem to tie together. Why do you think we get more efficient, but everything seems to go up more from a cost perspective? Shouldn't technology be making our lives cheaper and easier? Absolutely. But then also the quality and what we want from technology goes higher. And I was reading this actually this morning from Steve Jobs with Pixar, where it was mind-blowing that it took three hours to animate a frame, one single frame. And then technology came and all the advances, better processes, better everything. But then they were still doing the animation in three hours for that single frame. But the whole idea was that the amount of details in the animation that they were doing was a lot bigger. So this is what I would say is the, the same case is that we're no longer expecting computers just to perform one action. We're not just expecting now to do one simple delivery on the phone. We expect to also understand what's our preferences, take into account what's the closest restaurant to order from. So all those extra details do come with a higher cost that we don't perceive as consumer. But behind the scenes, those companies, they do have that cost that they're incurring. And even from OpenAI, if you've seen the latest keynotes this week, the cost of the actual technology went down three times and the quality went up 10 times. But still, you will see the impact in better product, not necessarily in cheaper or not cheaper product. So I know a lot of people will say, hey, this AI thing seems to be a buzzword that everyone's slapping on everything that they can do to make it a marketing pitch. Can you talk a little about AI capabilities and this idea between narrow AI and kind of like general or broad AI? Because I think that's probably important as we get into kind of the applications within veterinary medicine and what you all are doing at Digital. Yeah, 
general and broad. But before that, maybe I would want to say that I was also in the same camp of having an allergy to when hearing like, oh, someone's using this as a buzzword. And at the beginning of the year, I think even though I consider myself as an early adopter, unfortunately, I wasn't really the first to pay attention to this. And we were lucky because one of our colleagues, who was literally an early adopter and was a fan, every single week he was telling us, you need to pay attention to this, you need to pay attention to this. And guess what we did? We didn't pay attention to this because we said we have bigger fish to fry and different things to do. But then after almost eight weeks of trying, we ended up listening and it was worth it. And then we started doing workshops internally and every department in our team started then exploring how to leverage it as a tool for increasing productivity. And there are a lot of use cases where this helps. And this, as a lesson of the period, is it's good to be reluctant to things and to criticize, but it's also important to try because it might lead to something really, really useful. Your question is really spot on with general and more narrow. When it comes to, to a general AI, you would expect it to do almost everything. And it's hard to do everything. It's the same like if you want to have an app or a tool that does everything for you at the same time. And it's impossible. You actually need to fix all the small things that you'd like it to do. So right now we're in that stage where we have the foundation. So basically the innovation from LLMs is that you can now communicate in plain language with it. And also the quality of the prediction is a lot higher. So it starts being able to be a good partner of discussion for many use cases. But now the next step is to start doing really specialized ones that know really well how to do family trip planning or to be an HR assistant or to be a vet assistant. So all those things become now a matter of being more specialized in a specific field. Got it. I think that's a great overview. And I have just scratched a little bit of the AI service. So it's like these are things that I've heard discussed and love kind of bringing it up because I think for a lot of people still very much in the learning curve. And I think one thing you talked about is, hey, be reluctant. But I think one sign of intelligence is you're able to change your mind when presented with new information. And it could be like, hey, okay, this person's really persistent on this. Maybe I should hear him out. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe there is something there that I should kind of reevaluate my previous position held. And I can change my mind. And that's not a bad thing to change your mind. It's not saying that you were somehow not intelligent or not right in some way. It's like, no, maybe you just didn't know. And that's okay. But as we pivot, can you talk about what Digital is solving and some of the challenges or issues that you all have seen within kind of the veterinary software space? Absolutely. So Digital is an all-in-one practice management system, and we want to be a partner for the clinics and creating efficiencies and empowering them to actually do what they love, which is spending time and caring about patients. And when we started this, and this was 2018, we realized quickly that life in the practice is really difficult. Have you ever been in a practice? I have. I've been in a handful of them. And the best term that I heard for one was it was organized chaos. And I was like, yeah, I think that's very true. It was like a tornado running through, but everyone knew what was going on. But as me being someone that's not in that environment, I was like, this seems hectic. And I don't know how things are getting done, but everyone seems to know where and how things get placed. So I have. And I remember even now, one of the visits, which actually is quite common apparently, is that a pet parent came in with their dog. It was for a recheck, but suddenly the clinic realized that the records weren't there. They had to try to get it from the old clinic. And then I saw for 30 minutes how a team of three people with the pet parent, they were trying to get the records. For, and at the end of this, they got them faxed. And the, the interesting part is that I was sitting with my smartphone in my hand, witnessing all of this. And like, 
these seem to be two different worlds. The world where we live in, where you can just order anything at the top of a button, IP can talk with someone from way on the other side of the world, and everything it just happens. But on the other side, they were living in this other world where everything was disconnected, manual, and hard to do. And that was the trigger for us to start building the system that actually helps them on having a lot more efficiency so they can do what they love. But then shortly after we started working with more things, we realized that it's not just the fact that they use really legacy systems. And I don't know if you know this one, but the average age of a vet tech this year is younger than the average age of your legacy practice management system. 32 versus 33. Interesting. So basically, besides understanding that the tools are really old, we've also noticed that they're using a lot of tools that are disconnected. And that's the other challenge that comes into this because you've had a lot of years, for a lot of years, the main system was not amazing. So you started having a lot of bolt-ons on the system to try to patch it to make it work. So like in a practice, even today, you have one server system and then you have a lot of other tools. And then you actually need to have a team that puts all of those together and just maintains them and make sure that everything is running. So this is basically where what we're trying to replace. We're trying to move people from the old way of doing things to the new way where you just have one app that helps you in everything end-to-end. And so for the patient journey within a veterinary hospital, how do you see AI helping with that or being most beneficial in the kind of context of veterinary medicine? I can go back to the visit that I just described before with the recheck. So exactly that visit, how it would work would be that the veterans would have all the information on their phone so they could share it instantly with the clinic. Then the next step is that with AI now, you can do pre-screening, which means that the AI assistant goes to the pet parent and does through the chat. He asks all the questions and gets all the information and adds it to the SOAP so that the vet can review it quickly when the visit starts. Now there's AI dictate where you can just dictate everything. So you don't need to spend time writing everything in the medical record so the vet would actually finish everything on time and they could go home to have dinner on time, which is important. Then at the end, while they're actually having another visit, the, also the AI in this case would personalize the educational material for the pet parent and send it over. And by the time the pet parent reaches home, they can actually schedule the follow-up also with a tap on their phone at 11 p.m. when they actually have time to think about this. Sure. How do you think, we talked about this a little bit before, it's basically that AI is not necessarily going to replace people. It's going to replace people that don't use it. So how do you view, let's say we have our crystal ball, it's clear, we look into the future, how do veterinary professionals interact and where does it go from here if you had to make a prediction or just kind of lay an ideal scenario out for folks? So there's two, two things I really believe. One is that AI will give the possibility to vets and to anyone to be in two places at the same time or in multiple places at the same time. So that's the part of this technology. It lets you, it does things in the background while you're doing something else. But what I believe that over the next, I can't really say how long it will take, but every person, and in this case, every veterinarian would have their mini AI assistant built in their version. Because right now, if you go to Google, Google gives you answers. With your AI, you can actually task it to do tasks. And as you give it more tasks, it learns how you prefer doing things. And we're seeing even now examples when the vet is asking for, again, maybe opinion on differentials, and it learns from the previous examples and the previous cases that the vet did. So that's the, the advantage of this, that it learns to be a small version of you. 
Yeah, that's kind of wild to think about the customization because, yeah, you're not going to walk into a hospital and have everyone do things the way that you want to do it. But if you can have some of those unique things, the efficiency gains there would be pretty wild. And then you can use that even from a training perspective. If you have one doctor, one tech that's really proficient and the AI has been trained on that, the AI then can turn around and say, hey, for our new hires, they're going to go through the process. The AI can get them to that level. That to me is really wild because you think about turnover in a hospital. It's not always the veterinarian. Sometimes it's folks on the front end of things. And you can use that from a training perspective because it seems like that's a huge challenge of how do you efficiently and effectively train and have that consistency of experience. So it's not, well, one time Sebastian does it, he does an awesome job. But then new guy Isaiah comes in and it's not as good. And to the client, they're like, is this the same hospital? This is very different. Correct. Consistency. And that's one of the advantages, again, of, of AI, but technology in general, where you can achieve this type of consistency by training it once and then it continues to do it in the same way. If you can improve the health of an animal, you do it, right? Of course. That's what makes veterinarians special. You're mission driven. My friends at LifeLearn are the exact same way. For over 25 years, they've been partnering with you and your peers, providing affordable, customizable online software solutions. These solutions save time, increase efficiency, and assist in managing all aspects of operations. Why? They want to help you improve your partnership with pet owners to improve pet health. LifeLearn has award-winning digital media solutions and are leading the pack as they've prioritized having extensive veterinary knowledge throughout their teams. That difference is seen, it's heard, and it's read by thousands of people across the country. Relax, grow, and thrive with LifeLearn. Click the link in the show notes for an exclusive offer to see how LifeLearn can allow you to get back to what you do best. Is there anything AI-related, something that you all are working on that maybe haven't asked about that you feel like is really important to get across to current owners, aspiring owners, just kind of a frame of reference to think through? So if you're asking like what we're working on in terms of AI, at the beginning of this year, what we after we transformed our company with AI, then we asked the question of how can we help also vets and the people that are using digital and leveraging this technology. So what we ended up doing is we got together a group of 20 clinics, design partners that are forward thinkers and early adopters to work with them and understand where AI would actually be helpful for them. So the first thing was to integrate GPT into the platform and let them use it and see where it goes. And I can share my screen, at least people that won't see this, it's going to be harder, but basically we broke down the stages on of the visit into steps from pre-screening, so pre-visit, pre-screening, clinical signs and patient history, differential diagnosis, diagnostic testing, treatment plans, client education. So this is now post-visit, client education, writing patient records, and post-visit follow-ups. And we started understanding where it has the biggest impact. Would you want to take a guess? It is client. I, I say I don't know. <laughs> it is client education first. So most people started using it and preparing the client education material that become now personalized. And then after this, we've seen significant advantages in the pre-screening process, where again you and the staff no longer need to spend five ten minutes to the pre-screening process. It's just the AI that gathers all the information and puts it in the record. And then the third part that we've seen significant productivity gains were in, it was in writing the patient records because now with the dictation, it learns how to do, it basically listens to an entire conversation and it matches it to the, so open to the patient records. 
so those three are the biggest productivity gains that we've seen as part of the process that we've done. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that's helpful for folks to hear and kind of think through what the opportunity is. And as you move forward, what do you see? And maybe it's something you can accomplish with Digitale and some of the AI stuff. Maybe it's something that's like, hey, that's still an issue within or a challenge within VetMed that needs to be solved that maybe we're not able to do quite yet. But if you're, let's say, again, perfect world, you could fix it tomorrow. Is there an issue that you look at going through this process with these forward-thinking clinics that you're like, that would be a great thing that we could fix? Anything come top of mind? I would just say there's so many. I mean, first and foremost, is just having an overview of the patient visit end-to-end and starting to stop wasting time on inefficiencies. Honestly, that's the biggest thing that's now bogging down a lot of the people that are hardworking and they're in the space. It's just doing 200 clicks for something that could just take one click. So reducing the level of clicks across the board, I think, is the most important part that needs to happen. Because at the end of the day, the patient-doctor relationship is should be about the patient and the doctor and not about the extra things in the background that should happen in the background. What do you think is the biggest threat to veterinary medicine? Staying in the past. Staying in the past, just refusing to evolve or adapt or bring in new ways of thinking. Yeah, but I would say that's applicable for absolutely any of us. And just staying in our old ways will prevent us from trying new things, improving and adapting and getting to a better outcome. So across the board, same challenge. But in the vet space, we've just seen it a bit more predominantly with the fact that as long as you, I mean, you're using a smartphone, but you're okay to work on a system that looks like Windows 95. So that's where the probably the, the challenge comes. Yeah. And you all are, are privately owned. There's a lot of talk about, you know, private practice medicine and veterinary circles basically going the way of the dodo bird and it's going to all be kind of corporate and there's going to be no private practice. Do you view the abilities for efficiency gains in AI to help assist in seeing a thriving private practice? Do you think it just allows larger entities to grow and adopt and take more market share? How do you think about that? I think what we're doing is connected to the efficiencies of a practice, regardless if it's a private practice or, let's say, corporate practice. For us, the reason why for us being private is extremely important is that we want our incentives to be aligned with our users and clients and people that trust us. So it's a lot more difficult to say that your incentives are the same with your users in the moment that your parent company has different incentives for, for their main line of business. And this is why we on purposely kept ourselves to be independent and we're not changing our mind in this process because at the end of the day, vets need a partner that they can trust. And when going back to the other side of the question, I think everyone benefits from efficiencies. Some people might benefit on a larger scale rather than on a smaller scale, but everyone benefits from from efficiencies. Yeah, I think that's a great answer and a, a good way to frame it, which, I mean, makes sense. It just depends on, again, going back to who the individual is or the individual is making the decisions and are they willing to implement and then ensure that the team adopts it. You want to talk a little about that? Because I think that's an interesting, I guess, area to, to go into where if you don't have kind of buy-in at the top of trying to implement some changes of using new technology, it's going to end up just being something that gets cast aside and we just revert back to old ways. Have you seen, again, probably the early adopting clinics, they are forward thinking enough, but do you see others that are like, yeah, this sounds great. I want to do it. And then they're like, eh, but I don't want to change. And then they don't really see the benefits. They're like, well, I don't see how you all are helping me. I still run into the same issues. 
but it's because they haven't really adapted processes to adjust to something new. I don't know if that question is formulated quite correctly, yeah, but I, I, hopefully you kind of know where I'm, I'm headed. I've seen that happening so, so, so many times. Again, like five years of implementing practice management systems, we've seen a lot of examples. Right now, we already work with four out of the top 20 largest corporate groups in the US. And I think the biggest lessons when it comes from top down is that it doesn't work. I mean, it works if you put a lot of pressure, but you don't really get true adoption in the right sense. So for us, the way we see things is that we have different stakeholders that we need to make sure that we do a really good time. And the main stakeholder is the animal hospital and the staff in the, in the practice. So even from day one, we've built to make sure that the system is loved and adopted by the clinics. And you know, there's a saying in the industry that people, well, nobody loves their pimps. That's one thing. But the second one is that people work for the system and not systems for them. And these are the things that we're, we're trying to change. And we're showing that actually you can have a system that works for you and that you enjoy using. But going back to this is what we've done is that we've optimized making sure the, the clinics love it. And one example is with one of the larger groups and implementations that we have, they did something really, really interesting. They did a thing called voice of the customer where they showed a various number of pimps to a group of 30 clinics out of the entire set, and they let the clinics choose who they want to use. And it was awesome because they wanted to make sure the clinics are heard, and they made the decision because it's, for them it was more important the usability and the user experience of the people that are using the system to do it. So I would say anyone in the space that doesn't focus on the user experience of the users, of the staff won't be able to build something significant that actually changes the industry to the better. Yeah. And it makes total sense to let the people that are going to use it day in and day out to make the decision. But as much as that seems like common sense, it's not the way a lot of decisions are made in lots of organizations, which is kind of strange, but kudos to those folks for thinking that way. What haven't I asked about on either case study, story with Digitail, some AI things that maybe we haven't got into that you think are important to share? Anything that you would want to provide to practice owners or aspiring practice owners? There's a lot on that topic. First thing that came to mind is that yesterday we've done a release and we had oh, Dictate AI. So we launched it to multiple people that are users of Digitail at the moment. And we had one user coming and saying that it was the first time that he made it home one time. That's awesome. For me, it made my day and the team was ecstatic when they saw that. When it comes to use cases, there's so many from pet parents that are now enabled to just book online, have their records and on hand, have conversations and chat. And we've seen so many clinics that started using now the two-way chats with the pet parents to, in order to make sure they're heard and that they, all the questions are answered, even post-visit. We've seen higher adoption in, in telemedicine and, again, asynchronous conversations, pre- and post-visits. And just the fact that, again, they don't need to spend that much time in just finding records, making sure everything is written down so that they can focus on the patient. Yeah, love that. And, again, the time kind of return on investment or just that benefit of having personal time back is huge. And that compounds so much over a lifetime of what that could be to that individual. And it's not just on the veterinarian. That's the whole team to make sure people can get home and get out on time. So, But I, I don't know how you feel, but if you start the day with just clicking, clicking through things, that you just manual work, I personally don't continue the day in a really enjoying month. I love it. I can't wait to, to go through the next things because you already like cloud your mind with just clicking and doing manual things. So it's really important that when you start the day, you start with something that, well, it's on a positive note, not sucking the energy out of you. Yeah. Amen to that. I typically allow 
all guests on the show to kind of ask me a question. I know I've peppered you with different questions on what are these world debates that you're having with problems, AI, the company, different things. Any questions that you want to share back to me? I think you asked a really good one before we hit record that I liked, but any questions? Can I pick two? Sure. Okay. One simple one is the painting behind you. The gold one? No, the one with buy Bitcoin. Where where did you get that? Oh yeah. The the Bitcoin poster. Yeah. Yep. How did you get that one? And the second one, I'll say in a second. Yeah. So the buy Bitcoin poster that is behind me, I got when I was still a financial advisor, financial planner, again, lots of remote conversations. And it did spark conversation where people would ask about it. And so it was like my subliminal messaging to people of like, hey, this Bitcoin thing, we might talk about it at some point. So I work in Bitcoin now full time as of over the summer. And I think I've shared that on the podcast a couple different times where I'm not actively doing the personal financial planning and wealth management anymore on the vet side. But I do view Bitcoin and even AI, which I think there's some interesting overlap. And I'll share some stuff with you post this on that where there's some good conversations. But yeah, so it's an artist. I think he's in Europe somewhere and he goes by a a NIM. So he's like an anonymous. I don't know his real name, but he writes these. And so it's a print. It's not an original. The original would have been a lot more. But one on the other side is actually some art from a Canadian Bitcoin artist. And that is an original. It's pretty small. But basically, it's the idea of having good money protects your time. And so you can actually store the time and energy away from the hobbies, friends and family, all that other stuff. And so if you have bad money, it's basically stealing your time. And you know, time is the only finite thing we have in the world. And so it basically is a play on if we have better money, it it will uh, be beneficial to society. It basically says like stopping time theft on it. So yeah. Amen to better money. Yeah. But this idea of AI being able to even just kind of run on its own and and bid on using other AI to solve problems and do it inexpensively, you need a digital money that can settle instant and pretty inexpensively in finality. And Bitcoin does that. So there's some really cool overlap with AI and Bitcoin because, yeah, again, I'll share some podcasts. I think it'd be up your alley anyways, but there's one that really was kind of like mind melding with someone that's working on some stuff there. So I'll share it with you. Okay, then I think we'll talk after this because I would really like to see those ones. And the second question is, what is the challenge? Because you've mentioned finite time and the reality is that we do have finite time. What do you think is a challenge that we should all work towards? today. Regardless of veterinary medicine, just in general, regardless, yeah. what's something worth, I think something worth having a conversation around is this idea of this idea of actually having true freedom and autonomy of being able to do what we believe is correct. Because I think we're kind of moving in this authoritarian world across the spectrum, both here in the United States and other places. And I think ultimately economies are made up of individuals making individual decisions that are not always easy to understand from the outside. So for me to understand someone else's economic decisions is is tricky. And this idea that there's a centralized group of people, whether it's in the European Union, whether it's in the United States, that dictates how the economy should be run and how things happen to me is a little bit backwards. And I think we're going to see this major shift. And so I look at it from the United States perspective and lens, just because that's where I'm at. The fact that we have this massive country and we only have two political parties that seem to not do a whole lot of good for the constituents is kind of funny that there's this huge swath of people, but there's only two parties that we can utilize to be the leaders of that country. And so I think something that 
that people need to do is going back to kind of the first step is have more conversations and let it not be so divisive. It doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or Democratic, conservative or liberal. It's like we probably agree on a ton of things. It's just the execution of those. But if we can identify those problems and have real conversations, a lot of these things get a lot easier instead of being so divisive and so divided that we just fight and bicker because then nothing gets done. Right. And so I think ultimately what I would encourage people is be more willing to have conversations where maybe you have to expose yourself that maybe you don't understand this topic as well as you think, or you've borrowed someone else's opinions. And I think if we do a better job at fully learning and adopting our own individual opinions and sourcing from a couple different places and then deriving our own opinion versus just borrowing the opinions of maybe thought leaders or people that we think know the right answer, because it is tricky to be this holy grail source of information for everything. And I feel like sometimes people just adopt thoughts or beliefs without ever really exploring why. So that's a long-winded answer of trying to hopefully have more conversations and push back a little bit on some things. So I agree. And this is like to bounce on this one, like if there would be one superpower that people could have to help your vision come through, if people would just be more curious about the answers that they get, about the people that are saying those answers, what's happening behind the scenes, just be curious and then you'll find a lot more reality to what's happening rather than And I think part of the reason why people maybe aren't curious is back to that idea of time because everyone's so busy trying to make ends meet. Now, there's a number of different folks that are in good spots financially and they have the ability, but there are a lot of people around the world that are struggling to make ends meet. And so it's almost impossible for them to look out and see the world outside of how do I pay my bills in the next month, week, whatever. And so that just makes it really hard for them to have these kind of conversations or give the mental bandwidth when they're just trying to scrap and scrape by. And that's an issue, right? That goes into lots of other challenges where I'm not going to, again, be here and be like, hey, this solves everything. But it's like there are some major challenges. And I think by the end of the decade, there's this idea of fourth turnings that I'm not sure if you've ever heard about this, but it's every fourth generation, there's a fracture, there's a breaking of trust in institutions, and you basically rebuild and you have this galvanizing event and then you move forward. And so you kind of look at what that's been historically. It's been like World War II. It's been the Civil War. It's been the French Revolution. Like there's all these different periods of time where there's been these big fractures. And then there's, hey, what society's going to look like over the next 80 to 100 years happens. And so this fourth turning kind of started in the great financial crisis in 2008. And it will run basically through 2030-ish. Again, these are all kind of rough. These are not like, oh, it's this month, this date. It's, it's an idea. And it was based on a book that was written in the early 90s or the mid 90s. And it's been really interesting to kind of see how this has played out. So what I think is a lot of the decisions that we all make over the next handful of years will set up the way that our world is going to look into the future. And I do think AI is actually a huge part of that, right? And so the decisions that we make will culminate in how our life looks, whether that's a positive thing or a negative. So no pressure, everyone, right? We just got to make smart decisions. And that's why I think we need to have more open, honest, transparent conversations. Agree, super important. And, and you've also mentioned about leadership because leadership comes with opportunity, but also with a lot of responsibility that you can't tell people that don't have time, well, you should have made time. It's hard. You need to help them get to a point where they actually have the time to think about that. So again, like I'm learning now the company this year doubled in size. So we're, we're close to a hundred people. And I can tell you that it's to be a great leader. You need to take a lot of time, listen understand people where they're coming from and give them all the tools to be able to be successful. And that's a lot easier said than done. It's a lot of work that needs to come out. 
behind the scenes in order to, to make that happen. And this probably is the mindset that most of the leaders should have and be more active around implementing those type of environments to make people thrive. Yeah. It doesn't take away responsibility from the individual to actually be active and do things, but it's a two-way industry. Yeah, your role is going to change over time. And I think that's an important element to consider is like, as a leader, you have to be able to involve and change. And that's why you'll see people that start companies that maybe don't run them in the future, right? They're really good at one version of it, but then it gets to a different stage and they're not the right person anymore. And so kudos to you and the team. Congrats on the growth. That's extremely exciting, but it brings new challenges, right? It's like, hey, we've grown. Now we have more growing pains. We have these different challenges. And I think a veterinary hospital can feel the same way where you have a leader Maybe it's a really great doctor and they got to learn these other skill sets as they grow to make sure that they can maintain and see that growth into the future. So they need to wear multiple hats. And from what you've also probably seen is that they are not prepared. Like once you finish school, you focus on becoming a vet, but being a manager, being a people leader, being also a real estate expert, like all those things are totally different skills that no one prepares them with. Yeah, absolutely. So as we close, folks that want to connect with you, give a plug for Digitail? Like how do they find out more information? Where would you send them? Good resources, any of that stuff? Anything from our websites, digitail.com to our Facebook pages, Instagram, LinkedIn, all the socials available anywhere. And we can all meet at the next conferences coming from BMX or Western. We'll definitely be there. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you for the time and super interesting conversation that we've not necessarily had on the podcast, but one that I think is going to be really timeless and hopefully get people's wheels turning as they approach the end of the year and start thinking about what does 2024 and beyond look like for them. So Sebastian, thank you and really appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment tax or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. However, you are intelligent enough to make decisions for yourself. So I do encourage you to dig in, learn for yourself and not just outsource every decision that you make. You should talk to your professional team if you have one before implementing anything that I talk about, but also make sure they know what they're talking about. Push them, question them. That's healthy. That's okay. Oh yeah. And you should probably own and learn a little bit about that Bitcoin thing. The biggest compliment you can give to me is to share the show with a friend or the podcast if there's another episode that you really like. That helps folks find it. That helps it grow. Um, reviews are critical. The Apple podcast is the platform that's predominantly used for how people find the show. So if you have three minutes, love the show, please head over, give us five stars. If you believe that's what we earned, that would help more people find the show. Also, if you're new, go to YouTube. It's a channel, uh, putting up all the videos there as well. Sometimes it's going to be more interactive. Other times it's just going to be the conversation. So vainly, I want to get a hundred subscribers. So I get the vanity URL. That's the goal. We're on our way, but not quite there yet. For all of today's links information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can also subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss any episodes in the future. And finally, if you'd like more information, insights, or have the ability to, for your voice to be heard, join the Facebook group. You can search for the Veterinarian Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll to the bottom, about your host, click on the Facebook icon. And thanks again for listening. I appreciate you. All right. So there are a lot of great job postings that I want to get to. And so we're going to start off with Bayside Hospital for Animals, great work-life balance in beautiful Fort Walton Beach, Florida. No weekends, Monday to Friday, eight to five, no on-call or emergencies. It's appointment only here. Currently a two and a half doctor practice, new owner in 2021, bringing some fresh life into the hospital. The new owner had been there for six years prior working, so definitely understands the team, the processes in the community. Lots of investment in people and new equipment. 
ProSAL is the pay structure. Far too many benefits for me to list. Email BaysideVet251 at Yahoo or call 850-864-1857. Join a thriving, growing, small animal practice in Vermont on the Quebec border. Full-time ideal, part-time is considered. The idea is to start with yes with the team, patients and clients in outdoor woman's paradise while uh, being able to practice high-quality medicine. Compensation is write your own structure within production capabilities. Literally, it is the owner wants to find the right person and is happy to negotiate, chat through, and find the right fit. If you want autonomy and a boss that enjoys teaching, reach out to Newport Veterinary Hospital. You can email newportveterinaryhospital at gmail.com. North Central Indiana, looking for an oasis in the chaos? Who isn't, right? Come join the amazing team at Fulton County Veterinary Clinic. They strive to foster a fun, fast-paced work environment while providing quality patient care. They utilize the support staff efficiently so that the doctor is available to practice medicine and do what you're trained to do in less time and paperwork, which is great. Lots of investment in new equipment and technology to support you, full-time or part-time available. Small animal and exotics are both seen there, so no ER, no on-call, no weekends, competitive salary with sign-on bonus offered, and far too many benefits to list. Go to Fulton County Veterinary Clinic, so type that in and you'll find the job posting there. Last but not least, join Watertown Animal Hospital, personable, small animal veterinarian wanted for well-established current five doctor mixed animal practice in Northern New York, which is an outdoors person's paradise. Again, two of those. So if you like the outdoors, you can look at Vermont or New York. They have plenty of support staff with six CSRs, six licensed technicians, four animal caretakers, two technical assistants, hospital associate, or sorry, hospital assistant, a practice manager, and a bookkeeper. Focuses on mentorship and investment on the people and the technology. That's been a strategic initiative by the leadership team. No on-call, a uh, 24-hour ER less than an hour away. Salary based on experience, but no less than 95000 Can be straight salary, pro-sal considered. Want to discuss that with the right person. Tons of benefits. Again, too much to list. Please reach out to watertownpetcare.com for that option as well. So again, if you find a role or a job or talk to anyone and it helps you in any way, I would love to hear that feedback. So please reach out. Let me know what you're able to do. And I will continue to post these. So if you are an owner, reach out to me, let me know. And we'll go from there. And until I hit a capacity of I can't keep recording these, I want to let people know who are high quality owners around the country looking for great help. So with that, we'll talk soon.